Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us, St. Matthew's United Methodist Church, and those of you who are uh, tuning in online. Uh, I'm Pastor Kelly. And I'm Pastor Dave. And we have a doozy today. Uh, I'm not going to say my normal thing, which is like, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm I'm the most excited but, I've ever been. But you just said it. Bro, I, <laughs> I was joking with Christy uh, how, you know, I went back and, you know, I've watched the podcast that mm-hmm. we've done. And... That's every why, that's why the numbers are so high. Every week, <laughs> every week, yo, we gotta pump those up. Uh, every week, it's like I'm so excited. I'm, I'm so excited about this week's topic, and it's like, dude, every week you're excited. I'm like, that's also fair. Um, yeah, I, but I'm, I am, uh, you know, this conversation we're about to have is really important to me, um, and uh, so I have a lot of passion and excitement for, for this talk. So uh, we're talking about Paul. Yes. And give us a little bit of a, <laughs> we're starting, <laughs> give us a little bit of a lowdown on kind of what you, okay. what you talked about on Sunday. Well, really the, the, from Sunday's message, we, in our talk before the, you know, going online here, um, we were really kind of interested in dwelling on the, the first part of what I talked about, kind of the setup in the sermon was talking about Paul because we're, we're going to be with Paul throughout Lent. Uh, but really talking about how um, uh, Paul was the perfect person to kind of uh, talk about this interaction between the Jewish people and and those new people to the to the Jesus movement, and that mm-hmm. the history of Paul is that he was a Pharisee who was a teacher of the law. But to be a Pharisee, you had to start learning Scripture the law at the time uh, when you were a kid. And by the time you were old enough to, to then have disciples and to have uh, people that you were teaching, um, you'd spent literally years um, to even to the point of having probably most of it memorized um, mm-hmm. and, and ha- had scores and hundreds of conversations with other people uh, about it. The, so the law to be a Pharisee meant that you had the law so firmly ingrained into your being that you you ate slept drank you know the the law and 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 really that relationship with god that the law brings or was meant to bring right um and so the the being a pharisee meant that you were that passionate uh about um the scripture or and then hopefully you were passionate about that relationship with god which what's which is what the law was intended to bring, mm-hmm. uh, didn't, you know, in some cases, uh, but that was what it was meant to bring. Paul fell in love with God and saw this Jesus movement starting mm-hmm. uh, and felt compelled then to persecute the Christians, and we call them Christians today. They would have not used that word then, mm-hmm. um, but this Jesus movement that was that was starting up threatened Paul and threatened, he felt, the, the law and the teachings of the, of the faith at that time, and so began to persecute the Christians until his famous um, uh, conversion. conversion moment. It's Acts 12, right? I believe that's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that conversion uh, uh, moment for him that really led to a um, kind of crisis of faith in some ways, uh, but he he saw that he had sinned and that what he was doing was wrong, and that he met uh, Jesus and Jesus worked in him, and uh, to the point where he came out the other side of that conversion, being 
you know, just as passionate then about the, the work of the Jesus movement um, as he was before about the work of, of the law mm-hmm. and being a Pharisee. That transformation is where we've kind of spent most of our conversation <laughs> this morning uh-huh. in talking about how do you go from um, how do you, how do you go from being so passionate that you're that you're killing people literally uh, to then receiving forgiveness through the grace of God and then um, wanting to share that grace and spread that mm-hmm. in the way that Paul did by going literally you know leaving leaving town and going out to start churches and and create other communities of faith. Right. Yeah, it's... Um, I think that was a fantastic break. Part of me is like, okay, we're done, wrap it. Uh, you know, uh, we're good. Uh, no, you're all going to have to suffer me for a little bit. Um, so uh, I think one of the difficulties of um, Paul, right, is we call him Paul, right? He converts from Saul to Paul. Um, and like you said, the depths that he went to and through and the things that he did to people are are horrific it's it's really bad uh men women children i mean it's it's a um so there's things like you know paul writes later and says i'm the chiefest of sinners like he's if you were gauging it in the way that god tells us not to gauge it you know he's not inaccurate Right, like he he did some really messed up stuff, and something that I don't know why I I really want to touch on this. So, um, I think one of the difficulties we share right in faith is we try to find universals truths, and one of the things I think people need to be very careful of, including me, Paul doesn't represent the entirety of the Jewish faith. Not everybody that was a Pharisee was like we should round them all up and kill them. So before we start like taking broad paintbrushes and broad strokes mm-hmm. and going mm-hmm. every Jew during Paul's day no, no. was militant and wanted to kill people and they're violent and you know and we blame people and I think this is also fair just like people in general we shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Um Paul was responsible and accountable for Paul and decided that Paul's devotion to his ideals and how he understood things is then manifest in that way. Now, there's other people who sympathize with him and, and work with him on that, um, but it's never okay to take one person and say they represent the entire group of people. True. Um, conversely, as a Christian, there are a lot of Christians or professing Christians that I want to distance myself from because of the way they behave and how they treat people. And so there's these... There's these things to remember, I think, that uh, it's really important to us um, that we don't, as we're, because we're going to talk about Paul today, um, that nothing exists in a vacuum. And it's not fair to just group people together this way. Um, because with the backdrop of Lent, which we've kind of worked through a little bit so far to say is it's the internal work of, it's introspective work of, oh God, I've, I've failed and I have sinned, and and I've chosen other things other than you, and i got to sit in that for a sec. I then don't get permission to project onto Paul and going, hey, at least I'm not like that guy. <laughs> um, so now that we've kind of set that backdrop, um, uh, and we've kind of talked about the complexity that Paul represents, um, you know, something that's really important to me is 
experiences I've had where people, we don't talk about these nuances. Um, and I think sometimes people misuse Paul um, or they, they use Paul's story as a way to like, you know, have a lack of accountability mm-hmm. for the things that they've done. Uh, and Paul becomes this, this, this right for whatever reason, Paul gets used to like abuse people because it's just like, well, God forgives me so I can do whatever I want. And I go, well, that's not really how it works either. No. Um, and so as we continue to talk a little bit more about Paul, when Paul's conversion happens, um, he's repentant. This is not like Paul like has a moment on the road where God, where Jesus comes to him and says, Hey, why do you persecute me? And he's like, Lord. Uh, and then he goes into the town, and I can't remember the name of the guy that like lays hands on him, who is also aware of Paul's reputation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and is terrified, mm-hmm. but is faithful. And then Paul locks himself in like a cellar for two years, right? And, and it's like, okay, God, let's let's work through this. So when Paul ends up going to the disciples, sometimes I think we can read scripture and we go, what happened on this page? And so on the next page, Paul's all of a sudden here and I go, Mm -hmm. yeah, but there's like an extensive amount of time and work that is done. Mm -hmm. Paul is, is introspectively working through what he's done and working through that with God and is studying and reading and praying. Like, there's all this stuff that leads up to this. Paul doesn't just, like, go, well, I'm forgiven, so now I can go hang out with the disciples. I think sometimes Paul is painted in this light where, like, people don't understand or we don't teach him teach about him in a way where—and I'm coloring some boxes here, I'm assuming, but I think Paul goes into that interaction repentant and sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't think Paul's going in there going, demanding, going, I'm Paul, I get it, you guys are trash. You totally dropped the ball. So like Paul, God sent me because I'm so great. I think Paul is going into this moment going, they shouldn't welcome me. Mm-hmm. And I hope they do. And I'm so sorry that I've done these things. Now we want to work together. Um, and I I wish we spent more time talking about that. Because mm-hmm. um, it doesn't just say a lot about Paul. And help color him, and 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 I think give appropriate expect you know uh, uh, context to him, but also the disciples. Um, because I'll tell you right now, like I have young children. I was telling you before this, and I don't want to admit this on the internet because then it's there forever. But I will. Um, I don't think I would have vibed with Paul. I don't think if Paul's like coming to dinner, I would have been like, hey, honey, break out the great China. Like, we're so excited. I, I think I would have been like, hide the kids. You know, what if he's lying? What if he's come to trick us? And like, because this is like, that's that's a pattern of behavior there that like, assuming that isn't being unwise, you know, like I want to protect my family. And so if Paul's coming to dinner, I don't know which Paul I'm getting, or I'm probably assuming it's Saul. And so even the disciples, like, to welcome him-ish, because there's some growth they all go through together, um, but to then come on that conflict and that confrontation to come out on the other side of that, of working together, and to treating him like as part of the family um, for, for kingdom purposes, I think is just... 
I mean, what an example for us. Mm-hmm. It's like Jesus tells them how to do it, and then they're handed Paul. It's like, oh, no. Well, it, it, I mean, it gives us the... I mean, it's it teaches us several things. It teaches us the power of transformation. Hmm. And then to experience that personally is one thing. But you're right, to, to recognize it in somebody else and to recognize it as a real transformation, I mean, that's not trivial. Um, and we're we're kind of faced with that that all the time. But the the work of grace um is a powerful work. I mean, it, it's it's impossible to to overstate how powerful grace can work in people's lives. And I hope that we have grace when we're when we run into you know in the communities that we are a part of, knowing that that some people who are part of that community will have a reputation, and some of them will have had a real transformation, and some of them haven't had that real transformation, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe are are pretending to so that they can get back into the the good graces or right. the relationship or the community, however you want to say that. Um, you know, so that takes some some discernment on on our parts mm-hmm. um, to, to know how far can we trust this guy that we're inviting to, to dinner. And uh, really you have to have um, throughout scripture, whenever somebody's, it, when somebody's trying to determine the truth, um, you look at the fruits, you know, what, what has, okay. So this, so Paul was, was uh, uh, persecuting Christians before, uh, the transformation, then the transformation happens. What are the fruits following that? The bar's pretty low. Uh, yeah, like, are you yeah. killing people still? Uh, yeah. No? Okay. <laughs> Improvement. Uh, <laughs> but but he's going to great measures to spread the good news. Yeah. I mean, after that, he's traveling. He's taken on the assignment that he was given by the apostles. I mean, even they didn't trust him uh, after the transformation is 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 the, the read I get on that. They didn't trust him immediately, but they gave him an opportunity to, um, you know, to uh, to show there there was fruit, which is huge. Mm-hmm. Which when I when we talk about Lent, so bring this tie this back into Lent, mm-hmm. right? And the introspective work that I need to do. You know, personally, you're not going to get any details, okay? Um, but I'm in he a may, season. He may change his mind. I'm though. in a season. I am in a season where the topic of forgiveness is hard for me. Like, I'm literally, like, the things we're talking about, I'm literally walking out currently on, man, there's some things that have happened to me and things that some individuals have done that is that is heartbreaking and tough. And then Jesus is like, yeah, uh, forgive them. And I'm like, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to. And, uh, and it's, and it's all the lies, right? It's weakness. It's dangerous. They're not accountable. They're not. They're not repentant. I mean, insert whatever metric, right? Well, Kelly, your self care and and taking care of yourself and defending yourself like these. And it's so interesting to me how quick and how easy the good thing from God that I need to do that I am trying to do gets corrupted into like this selfish thing mm-hmm. because taking care of ourselves standing up for ourselves, defending our created state, right? Which is which is we matter to God and mm-hmm. not just for myself but for others. That's not wrong. But at the same time, holding animosity in my heart or like not letting it go and um you know walking around hurt or upset um 
is also not what God wants. Now, I say this not to tell you if you are in a season where you're going through Lent and you're thinking about, oh no, I'm holding on to this. Sin is a tricky topic, which I think we did a we did a job last week on talking about. There's it, it's not just your own personal, but it's also like how it is. And so there's these weird things where there's a reason, like, right, the commandments are when they're given, right? And God says, hey, do this. It's because when I don't do this, it doesn't just affect me. You know, Paul, like, God's like, hey, don't kill people. And Paul's like, light them up. Uh, it didn't just yeah. affect him. Yeah. There's there's people who don't exist on this planet. There's families that don't exist because Saul decided that he should kill them. That's that's tough to reconcile. It's tough for me to sit and go, well, I have been wronged, and I've brought this up, and they don't care. God, what do I do with that? And God's like, well, love as you have been loved. Forgive as you have been forgiven. I go, but that's not fair. And there it is. That's grace. That's grace. Because it's not about my perception of fair. Mm-hmm. Because everything Jesus models for us is not about fairness. Saul's conversion into Paul, it's not fair to ask the disciples to let him eat at the table. Well, and let me let me yeah, pause yeah. there just and interject just for a moment. If yeah. you've got a hatred for somebody or, or the need to forgive somebody and you forgive them, that's work that's happening inside you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't stop any kind of consequences if they've committed a crime you know, the judicial system will work however right. it's going to work and, and, or the, the, you know, whether they're repentant or not doesn't affect our forgiveness of them. Right. You know, that's, that's the coals that are heaped on their own heads yep. over there. Proverbs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we forgive as a matter of, of freeing us mm-hmm. for that relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And it's unconnected, disconnected to to whatever's happening outside of us. Right. Um, but having that heart that wants to forgive then changes us and recognizes, I mean, recognizes the grace that we've received mm-hmm. in order to to do that. And I and I think too to to something that I I w- there's parts of scripture I joke where I'm like, I wish I was like a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. And like that basement is one of those places because I can't, I can't even begin to fathom or imagine what those prayers and those times with God were like for Paul, right? For him to come out of that experience and those encounters and that internal Lenten work, Mm -hmm. um, with a message to share with people and to go with the people he had harmed ask for forgiveness and try to love them well and to teach them something. I'm not going to say dark nights of the soul, but like Paul had to have been very confronted with the finality of the things he had done. You know, you say you can't imagine it, but in a way you're going through what you've described. You're going through kind of what Paul was having to go through. Right. 
Uh, to to a lesser scale, of course, in a different context. <laughs> you heard it here. That. Dave just called me a murderer. Uh, but you're and you're correct. And 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 in that, and so like it's it's and that's part of like to bring us to the next part of the conversation, right? Is nothing we have said has discredited Paul's value or worth as a human being. This is one of the mysteries of Christianity that like I struggle with, and I think is one of the most difficult things because if you've been alive in this country for a minute. There's a lot of gospel I hear that is very performative and is about like you being terrible. And if you've done terrible things, then you are disqualified and you need God to save your soul, which is like a quarter of the truth, right? Like if you, you know, we, we do need grace. We do need forgiveness. We cannot fix it ourselves, but the devaluing of people in creation is kind of where that line gets drawn for me. Um, but, but we're not going to sit here and dunk on Paul and go, well, Paul's just this horrible, terrible, vile, evil sinner. And thank God for God, because if God wasn't around, then Paul would just be this worthless pile of whatever. And that's not true. You know, Paul did some horrific stuff and still had worth and value. And Jesus still loved him. And Jesus wanted to be with him, not in spite of what Paul had done, but because God wanted a relationship with Paul, because that's how it is. It's grace. And so as we're talking about this internal work, and we move to the next part of this, which is um, what does it look like after you do the internal work and you sit in that? Um, what does that look like, not just internally, but what changes in you internally and then is lived out externally? And so you talked about forgiveness, and you talked about understanding that the separation between it's not about how a person responds to that forgiveness, but it's about you releasing to God. Mm-hmm. I would say, too, the other thing that, the thing that I probably struggle the most with isn't even just like moving past what somebody else has done. I hold on to like my lack of doing the right thing in those things. Mm-hmm. So I go just to peek at my own internal monologue here for a sec. It's why haven't I forgiven them already? And I'm like, that's also not helpful. Like, like that's not. So I hold on to the forgiveness that I also need to receive is that like, my expectations of myself are way too high, way too high. And I'm like, well, if I really love Jesus, then I would do ABC, which is such an awful pattern of thinking because God's like, I think at least God's like, well, yeah, you know, love in you should, we want the fruit of that to equate to love and forgiveness mm-hmm. and grace for others. But I also get to hold that bag. Um, so forgiveness for me, again, talking about Lent is, have I received forgiveness from God for myself? What does that look like? Because if I'm holding myself like with guilt and shame, Mm -hmm. then, then my, my ability to like bless others and (laughs) forgive others, is probably not going to, it's going to be lacking somewhere and it's not going to be fruitful. And then in turn, like the hope I think is as I go through that process is, oh yeah, like I, I'm, I forgive you too. Um, but I've got to also be aware that like forgiveness isn't just for everybody else. It's also for me. Mm-hmm. And I think this is to, to bring Paul back into it in that basement. Um, I think he works that out for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think he's arrived. Right. It's another thing I should clarify too. You don't just wake up one day and like get it. It's so like, oh, I'm just this master at forgiving, and I've just 
now I can cl- I can go and like do it all. Mm-hmm. I think we see with Paul's writings too. Paul is also struggling with like I am the worst sinner who has ever lived. And I don't think he's saying that to make a point. I think he believes that. Right? And I'm like, well, and history bears it out. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like and I'm like, you know, I I think I struggle. I don't think I'm that bad though. I'm like, oh, humility. I need to work through that. <laughs> um but that that forgiveness is this journey and this process we're on. And so back to Lent. This is this opportunity in this season to really sit in that and go. It's not just about my outward fruit of like where am I failing or where have I like leaned on myself? It's also like what is the my internal monologue? My internal like like discussions with myself. How do I view myself, God? Where have I compromised what you tell me? And where do I believe and where have I given dominion over to things that are not from you? And then we sit in that and Lent and it's mm-hmm. ugh. <laughs> it's it's a hard season to be in. Mm. Um, there, there's no doubt about that. And to try to do things to make it less difficult, I think defeats the season. Mm. Um, but I also don't, don't think it's a season to, to, to mourn. Uh, it's a season to grow, uh, and growth comes from this, from Lent, which, you know, Lent comes from the word spring. Um, springtime is the time when, when, you know, buds are, are budding and, and the world is kind of waking back up from the from the winter time, right? Um, and so Lent is the same thing. So it's the budding, this work that we're doing, um, hopefully promotes growth, mm-hmm. and is the beginning of that growth. And is so Lent is kind of that transformation, and that way is that that kind of transformational season. I don't really dread going into Lent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's hard. Uh, I wish it wasn't so hard, but so what, you know, <laughs> that's life. Um, you know, we, we, we haven't been promised an, an easy path, uh, but as we kind of do the, you know, live into the life that we have and not ignore it, um, is where we find growth and mm-hmm. can find forgiveness and humility and ultimately the peace, um, that only can come from Christ. Yeah. And I think, you know, final discussion point, not final thought, but mm-hmm. the next part of the conversation. I think the other thing to remember is we're talking about things and concepts right now currently in, in the perspective of seasonal and growth. And so I think one of the things that's that was always difficult for me growing up, and this didn't like really click for me until, you know, probably in the last decade, which is Lent is a season. So it has a beginning and it has an end. You don't stay in a place of, God, I just failed. And like, I'm blah, like, right. And so even I think the way that God works in us, you know, my own take is there's, there's a, there's a progression, mm-hmm. right? Not in the Western way of thinking where you're perfect and you've arrived. But what I mean is like, God isn't going to constantly prune me. You're not just going to get whittled down to nothing all the time. God isn't like, you know, John 14, right? 15, the vine and the branches. You're not constantly in a season where God's like, well, this sucks and this is bad and this is terrible and da 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 da. And I'm not saying God ever talks like that. But what I'm getting at is as we sit and we consider, oh, I, I, this isn't going optimally <laughs> and God is at work, 
there's a process then that you go through where there's healing mm-hmm. and there's restoration and there's mm-hmm. something new and cool and wonderful and peaceful and joyful that comes out of that. It's not just constantly in the doldrums. No. And that's important, right? And and Lent is a season on the calendar. I mean, we might go through Lent, you know, any other time of the year, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, go through that time of introspection and, and transformation and growth. Uh, could happen at any point in the year, but we've, you know, the the Christian calendar has said this is the season when we're gonna we're gonna devote to to thinking about this and talking about mm-hmm. it and going through it, realizing that that could be practice for when God brings us to the point where we need to do that some other point in time. Right, and I and I keep talking about Paul in this basement he was in, and I'm like, and God didn't leave him in that basement, Mm-mm. right? So so. When we talk about the seasonal thing, we talk about Lent being this time period in our in our calendar, and we observe it. And I think that was brilliant too. Of like, you know, just because it's the season of Lent, you may not currently go through it, but you might go through it like the day after Easter. Ha ha. And but but again, like, there's multi there's multiple facets. It's like we were saying in the beginning about Paul is like you know, Paul doesn't represent everything and it's not this broad paintbrush and there's complexity and nuance and uniqueness and all this wonderful stuff. So when you're going through this introspective work, um, my hope and my encouragement is, is that, you know, even for me, like as I'm, one of the reasons I think these things are hitting me so difficult is because I care about them so much because I want my relationship with God to be good and I want what God has for me. And so to work through that, I take that very seriously, mm-hmm. and it's taxing, and it's mm-hmm. difficult, and mm-hmm. and it's. But at the point is, I'm not working futilely, right? I'm not just spinning my gears, going, "Well, I'm always going to be just this," which I I guess is the other important part about the way we want to forgive other people and love other people and treat other people. Right? Is you know, could you imagine, if you will? Paul with social media. What do we do to him? Right? What what happens to him in 2023 America if all of that laundry gets aired out and people who don't know him, who don't see the fruit in his life, who don't give him that opportunity to like live that repentance out, right? Um I can already tell you without going into it, it's not going to go well. Um, <laughs> well, and and you know that's that's one of the difficulties of of social media too is we really don't know those people. We're not in community with with whoever the celebrity or politician or what have you is of the day. And it's and it's the same dog. It's just a new trick. Mm-hmm. Before it was the press, it was newspapers, it was tabloid, it was smear campaigns. Mm-hmm. I mean. It, I would argue since the beginning of when we could do this to each other, we have been withholding love. We have been withholding grace and forgiveness mm-hmm. to be lived out because we've just, whether it was in, in an effort of self-protection or our own pain, however these things get lived out, again, broad paintbrush, you can't do it. Everything's unique. It's just all, it's complex. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would argue that the manifestation that is currently in our culture is the lie of our connectedness that is not really connected 
and our and our vitriol and our unhappiness this is one of the places where i see it manifest a lot is um at least i'm not like paul and i go well i am just like paul i mean i've done the same exact stuff that paul did mm-hmm. but insert avatar <laughs> online person i have no idea what they're really like and to also be fair to the point dave made before too of like but sometimes people say some things that are super problematic and there is fruit there that you can kind of gauge and go unsafe yes don't need to open myself up to that not going to have real authentic relationship Mm -hmm. with you um but then i don't need to devote my life to like destroying that person no no it's that hate that destroys (laughs) it's it's and, it's, and it's within you. Right. And it, and, and so the, the you know, what's the, the people joke, the golden rule, right? Treat others as you want to be treated. But then I would, I would suggest, right, is, you know, just because someone else is a sinner like me is not permission, right? It's, it's the living out of like, ooh, that's not, you can't, that's not okay. That is anti-gospel. That is li- living literally in the exact opposite of God. And I can I can label it that way, and I can internally work through that. But my suggestion would be, you know, Paul sees all this. And what's crazy, what's so cool about this basement, I keep talking about this basement. I need that, like, on a T-shirt. Like, let's all go to Paul's basement. Uh, but he works through his own stuff. But he also works through his culture stuff and how he understands it and, and his entire upbringing because he's also brilliant. Well, he's got to rework his whole theology. His whole theology. In, in the light of grace. And he comes out and goes, let's get to work. Mm-hmm. And he just goes, he just does the thing. And so for me, the hope would be, you know, don't get fooled into this introspective work that you're doing, that you are disqualified. No, God is at work in you. God loves you. If God can work on me, <laughs> scratch that. If God can work on Paul, <laughs> you know, and God is working on me, then my response that hopefully I would say is that, you know, I'm aware of the forgiveness that's given to me. I accept that. I let that like reframe my identity and my worth and value to God. And then the fruit of that lived out in my community is how do I love other people well? Mm-hmm. How do I live this forgiveness out? How do I live this grace out? How do I live this joy out? How do I live this love out? Um, and internally too, like, um, if you are online, which you probably are if you're watching this, and you find yourself, and this will be my final thought, and you find yourself very bothered by the things you read, the things that you see, and all the things that were spun up about, right? Um, I think there's a couple different ways to to process through that, but one of them I would say is like if you're a person who, especially in the Lenten season where you're very acutely aware because you've done intentional work because of our calendar, that something's broken. Then maybe there's something broken in you, or maybe the world is just you're aware that it's not functioning as it was intended to be. That's going to bother you. That is a thing. Like that is, and so if you're struggling with like. What do I do with this? I think the important thing is God is at work in you. God is God loves everybody else too and is trying to work on them as well. Find productive 
relational things to then go sink that energy into. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you find yourself in a place where you're just aware of all these people that you've never met and all the problems they have and all the things and you're super upset, that's not productive because you can have very little impact there. Live it out communally and relationally. So for example, um, I know it's not because God was like, Kelly, here's your lot. Uh, It's not going to go well in the beginning. It's going to go really badly. Uh, so that later on in life, you can be a pastor and help people. Uh, that wasn't the plan. God told people like, Hey, this is what I want you to do. And it just didn't go that way. Um, but I know one of the reasons that I am where I am today, and I have a love and an affinity for people is as I've worked through my own stuff, what I realized was I don't want the world to be the way I'm finding it. I have this deep sense of justice and love for people and want them to have a relationship with God because I believe that like that's how it how you fix it. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't mean that that's why I became a pastor. It's one of the reasons. But so what I have to do is like Paul's, I went into the basement and I was like, okay, God, my, my life is yours. You love me. I love you back. How, what do we do? And God's like, go do this. So I have to, I found productive ways to create spaces for people that I get to interact with on the daily that I can look at and go, oh, there's fruit there. Mm-hmm. God is winning there. Like the, the battle that we all talk about, right? Like, because I know Jesus won and it's accomplished and all the other stuff. And sometimes I look at the world and go, really? I don't feel like we're winning um, or that it's finalized or fixed. But I had to find places where fruit would be would grow, where love would win, where Jesus would, I could look at that and go, oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, like back to Lent, back to Paul, back to, you know, restorative work, forgiveness for others and for self, but also living it out communally as we're doing this introspective work is find places in your life where you can do things that are productive and gospel-oriented that bear fruit. Because if you don't, you know, then you're just Paul, you're just Saul, blind on the road, and you're just it, you're just miserable. Um, I'm not saying you're going to be happy if you do all these things or it's the checklist, but what I'm getting at is um, I just have this now, what I finally realized later in life was, oh, like I'm sensitive to people's pain. I'm sensitive to their lost. I'm sensitive to their struggle. And I believe that Jesus wants to help mm-hmm. and Jesus wants to heal. And so... <laughs> My family and I have now devoted our lives to that truth. Um, and so when I'm in seasons where I'm like, okay, God, I'm struggling with forgiveness, you know, now I'm responsible and accountable unto the love that I've been shown, which is now I've got to go live that out. Mm-hmm. But fortunately for me, I have spaces where I get to go do that. Well, you're pointing to the the need for community. Mm-hmm. You're, needed, you're, you're pointing to that that need for a group of people that surround you that you can talk about that stuff with. 
um, that you can process that stuff with and let right. the, uh, you know, as they process their stuff with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the true kind of, you know, the small group of, you know, ministry, um, of that, of that group of folks that you know well enough. They're not just people on social media. Mm-hmm. They're people that you know and that know you and can, can, can recognize stuff within you just like you can recognize stuff within them. Mm-hmm. And that proper kind of relationship that you have in those small groups is where a lot of that stuff gets worked out. And, you know, so, I mean, to Kelly's point, if you're at a, at a spot where you're uh, in the basement or, or, <laughs> or trying to, to process this transformation mm-hmm. or you think something is happening within you, And I hope that you have a community to where you can begin to talk about that. And if you don't, then maybe this is the the uh, beginning of searching for that community and or building that community. Or maybe that's and perhaps that starts with just one person, Mm -hmm. um, but then can grow. So you know, it it points to to that transformation happening within the context of community and how community can be part of it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, Paul had his his time in the basement. Um, but I mean, like you said, we don't know a lot of details about that. There were other people. Yeah. He wasn't alone that, that were surrounding him. He had to him. eat. He <laughs> had to eat. Yes. So there were other folks there, uh-huh. uh, who were, who were working with him. Um, and, and I hope that you have that as well. Um, you know, and, and for me, the proof of that internal work I'm talking about is that I would then reopen myself up to people. Mm-hmm. That's that's the hard part, right? It's like, well, I've been hurt. I'm like, okay, I've been hurt, and now I've got to trust people again. Fun, uh, but but again, it's that's part of the um. You, you we cannot we do not get to live isolated. Um. The 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 sin we talked about last week, the struggle of, of how it. It, it manifested in, in Saul's life and then his conversion into Paul and, and the complexity and the nuance of all the people that he had relationship with and, and then the ministry he got to go do, right? And God at work in the midst of all that, right, is for me that, to your point, that those are the things that are all connected is it's with other people. It's with the rest of creation and it's lived out. And um, my final point on on Paul is, and just sit with this this week, is... Paul went to the people that he literally hurt and told them there was a better way. I, I, there's some things that I'll dunk on him with, right? But like this personally for me is one of the most humbling things lived out and exemplified in faith of, I personally don't know if I could do that. But I think it's not just a testimony and a testament to Paul as a person. It's what God can do in us um, and through us. And the people that Paul went and ministered to also received him. Um, when we put, when we work through our faith and we work through this and we accept the grace and the love and the forgiveness that God has and we do the best we can to live that out in others, there's this wonderful example that we have where, oh, the gospel is accomplished. Oh, the kingdom is built and it's good. Um, and what an example. Like I just, I'm so humbled by that. And, and it's one of the things that keeps me going, right? Is I want to see that. 
Absolutely. We yeah. want to see that, right? Yeah. Like we want to see those types of communities. We want to see people live their lives in a way where um, I want to live my life. I like, that's what I'm aspiring to too. Personally is like, you know, I want to be that kind of person that emits that type of light and love and joy for people that, um, that God just uses me as a vessel. And so I hope this has been encouraging. Uh, it was a pretty deep one today. Uh, I'm tired, man. I we need to go get lunch. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, this has almost been therapy. Yeah, right? <laughs> therapeutic. Um, but no, right? Like if you are in a season where these are things that you're working through, um, I, I I need to close with this too. Is, um, you know, therapy is good. Healthcare professionals are good. God has no problem with going and talking to somebody. That's also. So when I say like Jesus is at work in us and fixing things, I, I'm not like condemning medication and therapy and psychology. That's also, I think they exist hand in hand. Oh, yes. Um, but if you are a person who's in a season where you've been hurt and you're trying to reconcile that, know that God has not abandoned you, that you are loved and that you are that you matter. And that uh, uh, my hope and my prayer for you is that like there's progress and you get to see fruit. Um and if you need people around you and you're trying to find it, you know, hit us up. Like we're here. Um, and, uh, and, and I hope that you find that community that you need and that you're looking for and that God is trying to, to work in you. Um, because that's, it's good and it's life-changing and it's wonderful. Amen. So Amen to that. Pastor Kelly. And I'm Pastor Dave. And we will catch you next week. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.